We see it as our mission to facilitate and support dialogue across disciplines and between various stakeholders. That's the essence of the bridge over, to read across different disciplines and be able to have a conversation. Through a series of podcasts, we, meaning Pablo, Mika, and Enaken, are setting the scene for an engagement to listen to the diverse views, facilitating respectful conversation, and support global and domestic cybersecurity efforts. We hope that you find these podcasts not only fun, but useful in your endeavors. Return to to the channel of the bridge over and uh, and ready for the second podcast. And in this in this iteration, um, we are exploring the divide or or the connections between law and technology. And the first question that I wanted to bring to our discussion is this: How is this year closing in the context of of cyber conflict situation in the world? So. Are we successful in curbing cyber conflict? Are we successful in uh, harnessing information communication technologies to all the good that uh, that they can bring to the mankind? And who are the winners and losers in this uh, current phase of our um, discussion and activities? And from there, maybe what are the keys to an open, secure and free cyberspace? So I want to invite Mika and Pablo, I could take in that order to to reflect on this. Well, uh, thanks. If I start with the second question, the winners and, winners and lo- losers, uh, I'm not counting uh, any states, uh, nation states who are, who are winning, who are, who are losing, but I, I take a perhaps a little bit different angle. Cybersecurity is framed and seen usually from above. It is seen above and outside uh, of states where the focus is on states. So my claim is that the states are winning. Well, who is losing then? I would say it's the individual. Similarly as before, cybersecurity is seen framed as a state-driven activity predominantly, and therefore the individual is not in the focus, and therefore, in my mind, in the individual is also also the loser. Pablo, what do you think? And you know, let's reflect that from the technical community point of view. This this all comes from a history of an unregulated field, and uh, and when you are saying the states are winning this battle. This might imply that this has no other way but to go through the road of more state intervention, more regulations, and whether those regulations are international or local. But most importantly, as you said, Mika, it is about whether those regulations will make individuals more trustful, more secure in their lives in cyberspace. But when you states say states are winning, are all states winning equally, or or then um, if we are saying if the individuals are losing, 
then if you say in individuals are losing, then are individuals and states the only stakeholders that can balance or maybe uh, like offer remedy to this uh, states are winning and states are the only ones speaking here? From, from a multi-stakeholder perspective, which is part of the history of internet governance, I see what you're saying, that states are the ones that are grabbing more the decision-making powers. However, at the same time, I don't know if the increased role for states to add certainty is transformed in adding trust into the system. And therefore, we are talking about two things. One is offensive or defensive behaviors, and the other about normative processes. All of them are very detached currently from other stakeholder groups that are not only states in the international arena. And uh, among states, uh, I would argue that the powerful states are, are, are winning. It's not necessarily that it's the, the Western state, the so-called like-minded, uh, as, as a group winning, or the other-minded, uh, uh, usually grouped uh, around Russia and China, that they, they are winning. The powerful uh, states are winning because their agenda of, as you, Pablo mentioned, uh, offensive or, or even, let's say, aggressive cyber operations are, are on the agenda and the terms of those op- operations are agenda, not banning them like uh, uh, totally. So so powerful states are, are pushing this agenda or maintaining this agenda, which then makes also states as a winners, but particularly big states. And again, the individual is not in uh, the, the point of focus. I'm going to challenge you uh, to also elaborate a little bit on, okay, if we now accept this, the states are winning and the individuals are losing and uh, somewhere in the middle there is this uh, technical community that seems to be detached from the, the, from the debate, then uh, what could be, who and what could be these uh, key constituent, constituencies to achieving, to, to, to making a change, or to, to achieving this uh, uh, trust and, and benefits among the, uh, the individuals or the population? I, I would say it's the alliance of uh, small and uh, medium-sized uh, uh, states, uh, technical uh, communities and the industry. Because it won't be the three superpowers, it won't, the academia as such is uh, not powerful enough by, by its very nature. It's a contributor, important contributor, but the real actors, agency to do, do something, I would say it's a small and mid, medium-sized uh, states, the industry and the uh, te- technical communities. I don't know if cyberspace is an international space. I mean, I know that it is a global space, but what we are talking right now is that this setting or the place where these stakeholders will meet will be at an international setting. And then if that that is the case, we need to to invent new things, I guess, (laughs) because currently there is no proper international setting that 
is able to host these discussions between these interest groups and how you aggregate those interests and how you take decisions. What I'm, I'm going to build right, uh, right there because uh, in terms of aggregating and, and uh, what we have now distilled is this small and medium size states search and industry. And, and I'm going to ask how well are we perhaps even able to project or envision an international dialogue that could be different. And let me just pick two things here. So if we talk about small and medium-sized states and uh, something that is currently rather prominent in cyber policy, it's the message that uh, cybersecurity and international cyber affairs should be guided by international law. And international law is very important for small and uh, for all states perceivably, but especially for small and, 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 and Uh, and medium-sized states. And then if we take a third community, which is another pillar of of how we achieve uh, both preparedness and mitigation and uh, and resolving these uh, cyber incidents that happen, then how can we, Pablo, if you uh, just um, uh, thought, like like said that uh, it uh, it is hard to connect these communities in a debate, then Conceptually, what is it in these two things for each other? What's in international law, for example, for certs, and what's uh, for for certs in international law? So, any reactions to that? I'm not saying that certs are not law abiding, but in this history of unregulated fields, their work has been detached from an international law mindset. And if the current normative discussions between states at the international level will eventually converge into international law, what we're seeing right now is that there are many steps or uh, levels of separation between the mindsets of the technical community, such as certs, and the mindset of diplomats or state representatives that are discussing these issues. And there needs to be a place where we're talking a lot about implementation of norms. Mm-hmm. And, and certs are saying, well, I'm not sure if I share that norm in my daily work or the way that this norm is stated and that you are discussing it reflects my day-to-day operations, because we see things differently. So how is it that we can deconstruct that language in order for those norms to actually be shared across different stakeholder groups? Yes. If I if I tr- try, well, it's a fact that uh, certs are national actors in a field uh, cybersecurity or digital security, which is uh, internationally sig- significant. So there comes the, the framing. Now, if we take this, uh, the UN group of governmental experts, uh, famous uh, uh, half-sentence half uh, from 2013 and 2015, that international law is applicable in, 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 in cyberspace. So what does it mean in real terms? If I pick... Uh, pick uh, three aspects of, or four aspects of, uh, uh, of international law, which are relevant for third activities. Sovereignty of, uh, of states, non-intervention to 
other states' uh, in internal internal affairs, uh, respect of human rights, and duty to cooperate. Those are very, I would say, those are the essence of, uh, of, of at least for me, uh, the essence of international law. And I wouldn't find these uh, these norms or this this letter of international law very difficult for any any decent third person or or any decent third to to follow. International law is is everywhere. It's so obvious that we don't necessarily see it. We don't necessarily see that uh, it is based on international law that the thirds cooperate with, with each other because thirds see the, see the need to cooperate from the very mandate of incident uh, management and, and mitigation and keeping systems and services, services functional. So if we now like rest on that a little bit and... Uh... So you said uh, this international law mindset, and uh, and then uh, Vika said you you said that this uh, international law functions without uh, us necessarily like observing it or, or registering it at any given time. Then um, let me just ask you this: so we all know that in uh, in 2015. Uh, The, our diplomats made a recommendation that specifically went to address uh, certs activities and uh, it, it consisted of two elements one of uh, warning states against uh, attacking certs when they perform their functions but then also warning against uh, including certs in this uh, national uh, cyber attack app- apparatus and and i'm wondering what do you how do you see that uh, that our search being what was the problem do you think that the governments addressed and on the other hand how has this been perceived by the search community uh pablo when you when you want to go first on this the computer emergency response teams and the security community at the technical level is not an homogeneous kind of thing There are many different kinds of certs. There are sectorial certs for different types of industry, and they are composed by different types of people. And they come from a story of trust and collaboration. I mean, before an incident happens, there are well-established chains of communications that in case that something happened, they are able to cooperate and help resolve the matter as fast as possible, reducing the impact or the disruptive effects of whatever happens. And this is disregarding of who is the perpetrator. This is just an immediate response through collaborative security efforts by different community members, from banks, from critical infrastructure industry, from internet service providers, from governments. So sometimes... It is hard to understand whether this norm at the GGE refers only to that part of the CERT community which responds to governmental issues or national CERTs. And that's only one type, but the ecosystem is broader than that. So then when you talk about this norm to the wider ecosystem of uh, the security community, they would say it doesn't make sense because they still don't know if you are politicizing their work whether they need to ask for permission before responding, whether you need to formalize the channels of communications that are already established and and well-trusted, and and whether you are adding red tape 
in order to verify whether that's a, an, an official channel or not and whether it, it is possible to to share information or not. Well, uh, seen from a more, more general and political uh, uh, point of view, separation of distinct mandates and, and competencies is, is, is useful uh, for, for two reasons. It maintains the functionality of these distinct uh, mandates and areas of com- uh, competencies. Intelligence services, national intelligence services are to support uh, political and military decision making. Law enforcement uh, agencies are, are interested of uh, adherence to, to, to law. Uh, military is the, the, the military is the armed forces are the, the key, key, key and the only, I would say, hopefully the only, only uh, agencies that have a right to use, use violence and search, uh, regardless of the perpetrator, as you, Pablo, said, they are to, uh, to, to mitigate incidences. They are interested of the functionality of the systems and services. So that is the, I would say, a, a functionality uh, claim why we should keep these things uh, uh, separate. And if we start to, to mass these functions in, in same, we are not only politicizing uh, issues but we are we are securitizing the issues putting them outside of a, of a, a public public uh, scrutiny account political accountability uh, 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 and debate and in some countries which slightly already tilted uh, political systems that this can easily lead to abuse of powers which then underlines the, the point that I started with the individual is to lose. Well, this has been a, a really inspiring conversation because from our discussion of winners and losers, uh, picking up this idea that for the benefits, uh, for the individuals to benefit, this voices of, uh, of all states Uh, in line with the and or with the assistance of this technical community search and, and industry um, would indeed benefit and, and would actually would actually fortify this idea that uh, this seamless international law this uh, daily values daily uh, sovereignty uh, respect of human rights uh, cooperation can be achieved and uh, actually is achieved by CERT, how CERTs operate. And, uh, and it's therefore really important that we uphold this spirit of international law and especially this value of seamless international law in, um, in our understanding of, uh, of how CERTs by doing their best can um, and be one key or hold one key to achieving a free, open and uh, secure cyberspace. So with that, we're closing the the second discussion on the Bridge Over podcast.